want to welcome you to the Arrow Heights podcast, broadcasting live from Arrow Heights Baptist Church at Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. My name is Ryan Smith. My name is Nathan Copeland. And we and are both missing Josh I was White. I say, and where is Josh White? Where is he right Josh, now? He's on a mountain. Hmm. Probably. He, he's on a mountain surrounded by snow, and okay. for, this is what I can judge from the pictures. And I, I, I believe this was a planned, planned event. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I'm sure he's enjoying that. Yes. That was like a very Josh White thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, in, enjoying, uh, or hope, hoping, Josh, that you're enjoying some time away um, on, on a mountain with snow. Do uh, you think he will listen to this? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Why wouldn't right. he? Yeah. Everyone. Why? Yeah. <laughs> why, <laughs> why wouldn't anyone? Why wouldn't anyone? <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, now here's a here's a. You and I have been faced with a. Uh, I don't know if I would call this a, a moral conundrum. It's it's almost a philosophical uh, issue mm. that this we. Is, this that, is what I do on vacation. So <laughs> this is great. <laughs> well, we we are we are living this out. Okay. Okay. Now. You and I just walked walked into this room, this little, this podcasting room, uh-huh. right now. Very few people have access to this. No one comes back here. This is yeah. just kind of we only use it for for, the, for this purpose. Mm-hmm. On the table, mm-hmm. there is a full package of peanut M and M's, almost full. <laughs> Therein lies the yeah the, the the corner of it has been ripped off. Yep. Now the the question is, mm-hmm. if you walk into a room. And there's an open bag of M and M's. Like, no, I'm not going to partake of that. Mm-hmm. However, what if it is a room that few people have been in? Sure. Most likely, recently yourselves. Although I certainly don't remember the bag of M and M's being here last week. Mm. Somehow they got here. What? How, how tempted are you to eat an M M&M? and M? Sounds like a Seinfeld episode. I yeah. Think. Um. Very. In fact, I already did because I do remember them being here last week. Oh, okay. I don't remember who brought them, but uh, I think I ate some last week too. <laughs> <laughs> and you lived to tell the tale. I did. So you know that that, hey, that they're okay. Yeah. I rolled the dice and here I am. So here we go. What's the difference between a partially torn bag of M&M's with M&M's just sitting out mm-hmm. or just a bowl of M&M's. Like a bowl of M&M's, you're like, okay, yes. Yeah, that's that's an invite. Yeah. Right. Here they are for you, for everyone. Yeah. The bag is like, well, that could belong to someone. You know, they didn't pour them out on the table just inviting everybody to eat them. So, yeah, a bit of a conundrum. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Many, many things. Just let, let, us, let us know. Would you eat from the bag of M&M's or would you let them be... Yeah. Until their proper owner, or uh, until you you decide to di- to dispose mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's because I was a uh, a musician and I am the son of musicians who just you know you never know when your next meal is going to come, <laughs> or it's because I live in a house with a bunch of people, uh, which I guess I could go either way. You know, at our house, hey, it's it's a bag of M Ms. Get get it while the getting's good, right? Or yeah. it's like, wait a minute, who does this belong to? Our house is more the uh, the former. Like, just dive in, you know. So I <laughs> well, don't. At know. least you know they're familial M and M's. That's true. That's you true. Know. Yeah, this could be this could be anybody. They're blood relation M and M's. Yeah, we don't know who these M and M's are. These could be planted M and M's. Yeah, I think if we were just in a random classroom mm-hmm. that uh, that we're not normally in, I probably would leave them alone. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But since it's here, and I remember them last week, here we go. Okay. 
Okay, well, we could ask Josh, but yeah. Josh is on a mountain. Yeah, uh, where 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 he where he should be mm. enjoying his time. So let us know: Would you eat the M and M's or would you not? Interesting conundrum. Yeah. So we've got just a couple of questions to get to this week, Nathan. Now we are in the midst of our Advent season. Yeah. We talked about uh, hope. How, how Jesus brings hope to us, how uh, Jesus brings joy unto us. And uh, this past Sunday, we talked about peace. But I, I had somebody ask this question. They said, why Isaiah? Why are you going at Advent from this angle? Uh, what 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 would you what would you say? You're the, you're the, the in, in large part the architect of of this. Someone asked me, and I said Nathan Copeland. That's the answer, <laughs> and it's genius, and I love it. Blame but, that guy. But why why this? Um, well, number one, I think it's just helpful to take a break from uh, whatever we're doing. Like we talked about a little bit last week, uh, to follow the church calendar in this way, I think is a great thing. Uh, our culture's all all talking about it, and uh, it's something that. Uh, you know, as Baptists, we are not beholden to, I suppose, but it's something most, I think, Baptist churches follow is to, to celebrate the Advent season uh, in, in December. Um, so that's a good thing. Also, we've been in a gospel. We've been walking through Mark, uh, which has been fantastic. Uh, to sometimes get a little bit more variety, I think, can be a good thing. I do think probably uh, it's it's safe to say the gospels are, uh, if not the most important section of Scripture, certainly right up there. Uh, as far as you know, where we should always be hovering around, uh, learning from Jesus, watching his example, uh, listening to his word, um, his teaching there in the Gospels. But to to get out of the Gospels because we've been in Mark for a good while, I think that's a good idea. And then Isaiah is just a great book. I think Isaiah is some people call it the Gospel of the Old Testament um, because it's quoted so often in the New Testament and specifically in the Gospels. Uh, but also there's just such uh, just rich gospel teaching all throughout it. And we've been kind of pulling out uh, some of those passages that sort of line up with those themes, or at least kind of sort of do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think for all those reasons, and there's probably others we could think of. I, Isaiah is a, a classic passage for Christmas because of Isaiah 7, uh, uh, God with us, Emmanuel, and Isaiah 9. Um, and so those kind of make make sense. That's where we started. But just to kind of keep following some of those themes of, like you said, hope, joy, peace, love, and then Christ, the Christ. That's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting from the passage uh, that we read yesterday. You know, the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight way for the Lord. You know how in John one. Uh, directly John the Baptist takes those words specifically and says as the prophet Isaiah said mm-hmm. you know so so he is making this announcement of the arrival of the Christ although rather the Christ uh, the mission uh, of the Christ at that point uh, and he pulls it specifically from Isaiah and so it's it's interesting because if we were to look at the second coming we would probably anticipate, uh, just as John the Revelator said from the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. you know, this, was, in a way, was their greatest book of anticipation mm. for uh, the arrival or the advent of of the Christ. And, and so this, this would have been what they had. 
Well said. And so that's a that's a, a wonderful opportunity. I, lo- I love I love the idea uh, that you, that you put forth. And this this week we're going to be in Isaiah chapter fifty four, uh, close mm-hmm. to that wonderful passage Isaiah fifty three. So it'll be it'll be it'll be great. But yeah, love love the opportunity to, to dive into these Old Testament texts, and we get to talk a little bit of history and background, and mm-hmm. it kind of helps us, I think, shape in some ways what we're going through in Mark. Yeah, and vice versa. I agree. It's also been helpful. We ended with Mark thirteen which is definitely a prophetic passage. And so that really, I think, set us up in some ways, talking about sort of how to interpret, how to understand, how to communicate uh, the gospel from these kind of prophetic passages. So I certainly didn't have that in mind, but I think that's also been a nice transition to sort of set us up to read these prophetic texts, which are just different, you know? Um, they're just not, it's just not a straightforward kind of narrative, or at least most of it's not. There are, are those sections through Isaiah, but um, I think that's been helpful as well to kind of just ease into Isaiah from the work that you were doing in Mark 13, I think has been good. Hmm. Well, good. Good. Well, we have a question texted in, and this is from the the sermon that, that you preached on joy from Isaiah 11 and 12. And the question says, what is the significance of using singular pronouns in verses 1 and 2, but moving to plural in the rest of the chapter in Isaiah chapter 12? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So as if you have, like me, have a, an ESV that you're looking at that has uh, footnotes, you'll see that very first word in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, you will say in that day, you, and it has a little footnote, and it says the Hebrew for you is singular in verse 1. You see very similarly in verse 3, uh, so with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you see a footnote uh Oh, sorry, verse 4, the Hebrew for you in this verse is plural. 3 and 4. 3 and Mm 4. Yeah, and then in 6, as as we discussed, 6, it goes back to singular. So why uh, why the the back and forth here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, first of all, let me just say I do not know. (laughs) How about that? Uh, Maybe a suggestion for our questions. If you're going to ask a really hard question that we don't know the answer to, give us a suggestion. I don't know. Put it out there. Uh, what's your thought? Um, no, it's a great question. Obviously, it's right there in the text of Scripture. Um, I'll be honest. I don't really remember reading a whole lot about that. Um, I'm having trouble remembering if there were any commentaries that uh, – I, I think I can say I don't think any of the commentaries that I looked at – You know, I looked at six or eight or ten of them. I don't remember. Uh, I, I don't think they, any of them really made a big uh, a deal of that. Um, you know, maybe a couple of suggestions. One might be uh, simply that um, Isaiah is emphasizing. Well, I mean, if you think about verses one and two, particularly, you will say in that day. Okay, and so kind of the way I thought about that, and I don't think I said this in the sermon, but it's almost like he's going into the future, and it's like he's. Um, you know, we might be able to say it like this. It's almost like he's taking a recording of what's happening in the future. Here's what you're going to say. Here's the song you're going to be singing. And he brings it back and plays it for us, right? Um, so, you know, it could be that these are snippets of actual songs, maybe. This is a very psalm-like text. Mm-hmm. I, I do think even a couple of commentaries commented and said, 
this is almost like a psalm, a mini psalm, kind of concluding this section of Isaiah. Because you get into 13, there's a lot of these kind of oracles of judgment against these different uh, nations and whatnot. So 12 really kind of is the end of a section. And it's like he just has a, 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 a psalm, a praise song, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, concluding this whole section of uh, 1 through 12. And psalms uh, can can do that sort of thing. Uh, some, we know that a lot of the psalms were used in the temple, uh, used as uh, songs that people would sing on their way to Jerusalem. So it's possible he's taking some snippets of those songs. Like we might say, hey, in that day, you are going to sing, uh, you know, I once was lost and now I'm found. You know, was blind, but now I see. You're going to sing in that day, shout to the Lord, all the earth. What's that song, you know? I mean, just taking... <laughs> Darlene Jack. Yes, yes. <laughs> taking different songs of praise and saying, here's what you're going to sing. And mm-hmm. some of those songs had uh, kind of a, a singular uh, focus, and then some had a more corporate focus, which even that is a great thing. If you think about how we come to the Lord, we come as individuals. We all will stand before Him to give an account uh, there, there's a there's a, a doctrine in the Baptist faith and message called soul competency, right? And that's kind of a Baptist thing that says, hey, you can't force anybody to be a believer. And also, um, you know, you can't rely on, like, say, your parents' faith or the part, you know, just the fact that you were part of a church in some way. We all must stand before the Lord, and we all must personally put our faith, our trust in the Savior, uh, at the same time, we're never alone in that. We're never alone in the Christian life. As we come to Christ as individuals, we're always being brought together into the body of Christ. So it could just be that emphasis. Isaiah is bringing out the fact that uh, these are the songs that each of us as individuals will sing, and praise God, we're not going to sing them alone. We're going to sing them as part of this great multitude uh, praising God. Yeah, it, he very well may have... It may be a combination of both selected specific songs that they do sing and selected them in order to show to show both. Uh, you you will sing these singularly and and collectively, uh, which I, I, I love the lesson that you put forward that you take uh, from that and offer for us. There there are many who say, you know, I, I quote unquote love Jesus but not the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if you love Jesus, then you'll love the church for which he died. You know, there's yeah. There's a corporate element to that, that we are a body, that we care for each of our individual members, but we, we care for our members because they are part of our body. Yeah, And so there's yeah. a, that mutual accountability there, and I, Isaiah may be offering that mutual praise. I was just thinking about that very thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about a guy I had a conversation with a, a while back now, uh, and that was, his, that was his attitude, was, you know, yeah, Jesus, great, but the church, I mean, come on. You know, it's kind of a waste of my time. And, and man, all you have to do is read First John uh, or even read Romans. I've been sort of listening to some of the New Testament recently, uh, just trying to sort of catch up here at the end of the year, trying to get through the Bible, right? So uh, sometimes it's hard to set aside time to read it, so I'll sometimes listen and try to try to make it through, but... Uh, that struck me in Romans, and then it struck me again in First John, which I've seen it in First John so so many times that there's just such a uh, an emphasis there that the apostle says, "Look, you claim to love God, 
How can you claim to love God but not love the brothers, is the way he puts it, mm. right? And it's just, it's, uh, it's not a matter of, hey, you have to be a member of a church to be saved. It's just that if you are saved, you're going to be drawn in to love God and love your neighbors and love those who are part of you and that you're part of in the body of Christ. Romans, same way. Such an important letter, I mean, in so many ways. But one of the things is he gives four chapters of this corporate church life element. I mean, you know, a lot of times people focus on, I, I certainly have, you know, trying to get what is he saying in, in the first part of this book about, you know, being righteous before God and what is the gospel and it's so important. But man, he has this fulsome uh, explanation and description of what life is supposed to look like in the body of Christ as it flows out of. Uh, love for God and and uh, faith in Christ and the gospel sort of transforming our hearts and lives. Uh, you, you can't get away. You can't obey Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, right, without the church. You just, it, you can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you had a, another question that was submitted by another one of our emerging generations. Yes. Uh, they, they had a, a question, again, another one of definition, which which I, I love. Keep asking those questions. Yeah. Uh, kids, we, we welcome those, and we need more, yeah. more of those. So what, yeah. what, was, what was the question? The question uh, is, what is a root of Jesse? Okay, and I think uh, what was going on there, if you look back in verse 1 of chapter 11, I made a big deal of verse 1. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Um, So I was talking about this little green shoot, little green stem, green branch. I said green is God's favorite color, maybe, I think, uh, perhaps. Um, but if you look in verse 10, the phrase is used, in that day the root of Jesse, um, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And so I, I think I kind of used those phrases, uh, a stem, a branch, a, a shoot, and a root, kind of interchangeably. And this uh, young person wanted to know, what is a root of Jesse? It's a great question. And the simplest answer is, this is sort of a poetic, prophetic way uh, that Isaiah talks about Jesus. Um, You know, God had promised that he was going to chop down any body or any kingdom that tried to stand up tall in rebellion against him. Um, so you could kind of picture a forest of big, tall, strong trees. And God says, if, you're, if you stand up like that in pride and in sin and try to stand against uh, my word, you will be chopped down. So brought low, right? Humbled, let's say. And that's what happened to the, uh, to the people of Israel. They were chopped down. God even allowed, the Bible even says he brought this, this evil nation, the Assyrians, to bring punishment and discipline upon his people, Israel. So you can just imagine Isaiah's looking out over this, you know, again, in his mind at least, he's looking out over this forest that used to stand tall and beautiful. Now it's all just desolated. It's brought down. It's chopped down. It's a picture of death and destruction and dryness. There's no fruit being born there. There's nothing growing. And 
God says, hey, uh, the story's not over yet, right? The story is not over because I made a promise to David that one of his sons is going to sit on the throne uh, ruling God's people in justice and in perfection forever. Well, David's sons, who were all the kings in Israel, they didn't do a very good job, right? <laughs> That's why they were cut down. That's why the people were destroyed. But he says there's going to come this shoot, this little branch from the root. In other words, you can't really see it very well, but the, the root is still alive because my promise remains. And so, yeah, that's what Isaiah is saying, that even though it looks desolate and looks really bad, there's hope coming, and there's going to be joy that springs forth because Jesus is coming. That's really what he's talking about, is the Lord Jesus. Yeah, now, tell me if I'm making too much of a stretch here, and I hadn't really thought of this until uh, I was listening to you talk about describe this. Verse 1, you know, this is talking about Jesus, the Christ, Verse 1, this will come forth a shoot from a stump, a branch. So that's that's kind of a visible mm-hmm. outward something that grows, mm-hmm. uh, that, that emerges. Verse 10, speaking of the same person, in that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because the root is not something that grows out. You, you know, you mm-hmm. may you think of uh, a genealogy or something. You know, obviously this is talking about someone who will rise from the family tree mm-hmm. of Jesse. And of family David. tree. Yeah. That's a good phrase. Yeah, family yeah. tree. Yet here in verse ten, it talks about what that tree is rooted in. The the source of the tree mm-hmm. itself, not just what the tree produces, but the very source of the tree. Could this be read as an indication of the an early indication of the hypostatic union, Christ being both a man who would be born in the flesh mm-hmm. to, in the line of David, yet would also be the very root of David's line mm. that David is grounded in, in, in God himself? Mm. Could, could this be read as, uh, as an, an early allusion to Christ being fully God and fully man? Yeah. No, that's really good. In fact, that that's really good. I think my, my I think the way I put it maybe in the sermon, I said something about you know why Jesse because that was my first question. I was gonna, yeah. So yeah. why why Jesse? Why not say the root of David? Yeah. Right. Um, even Boaz. Even Boaz. Let's go to. That's right. He gets a book. That's right. That's right. And I, and the thing I said was this is uh, the one who David was supposed to be. In other words, this is almost like Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, which you brought out in in uh, the Gospel of Mark as well. Um, This is someone who's coming after David, but in a sense, he's before David, Mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, I think there could be, uh, even if it's not explicit there, certainly it fits with this idea that David's son is David's Lord. The one coming after David is actually before David. And John the Baptist, I think, says something similar, doesn't he, where he says, uh, he, he is uh, greater than me because he was before me. There's one coming after me, right, whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie, but actually he's before me. He is the I am. He is <laughs> the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Um, so I'm going to say yes. I think you're onto yeah, something. <laughs> that's really interesting. If I could go back and re-preach that passage from Mark, mm-hmm. you know, so how can David call him his son if he's his Lord? It's the same question. How can he be mm-hmm. David's branch if he's also his root? Yeah, yeah. And and perhaps that was even 
an illusion or something yeah. that 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 he was making that and one more reason why why we see the beauty of Isaiah telling the gospel story mm-hmm. that comes to fruition uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That we see. Amen. And if I could go back and preach Isaiah 11, I would want to use the phrase hypostatic union. <laughs> you know why I love that phrase? Do you remember in no. the early 2000s, there was a band called the Hyperstatic Union? <laughs> no, I don't. They were fantastic. I believe it. I saw them in concert. Yeah, great yeah. jazz, blues, rock uh, type thing. Anyway, the hyperstatic union. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 where I and all of my youth group learned about the hypostatic union. Perfect. That's yeah. great. Love, love the, theology, even in early 2000s, late 90s, uh, Christian Christian rock. Uh, well, those are all of our questions for, for now. Uh, thank you for sending those in, especially kids. Thank you for asking these questions about, about definitions. As we get further into our Advent season, I'm sure we'll have some more. Feel free to send those in, and uh, we'll talk about those next week on the Arrow Heights podcast.